Thank you guys for leading us this morning. Um, let's keep going over and over that. Your, your name is power. Your name is, uh, is healing. Your name is life. We've been in a series talking about life, like just this real application, right? We've been talking about really kingdom living for several months. What does it look like to live according to his word? And so we've been in this series called Raise Them Up, just practically looking at different dynamics of, of raising a family in in today's world and we're finding it's not not much different than what it was early on just different types of distractions a little bit different types of hurdles but much much in the same uh, as Christ was teaching and then Paul writing about we're going to be in Ephesians today and we're going to specifically be looking in chapter 6 although I'm going to rewind just a little bit um, into five to give us kind of this foundation and this background. But after our series winds up here in a couple of weeks on talking about raising them up, we're going to spend a couple, uh, like three weeks looking at the church. We are the church. And we talk uh, consistently week in and week out about the family that Christ has assembled here at Harvest and the, the family that he's assembling at churches throughout our community. And this is just a unique group that he's drawn to this place to worship with one another, to, to sharpen one another, to walk alongside uh, of one another um, and be his hands and feet. And we're going to do it in one unique way that God's calling us to. And, and the church, you know, Bethany or, or Antioch or, or churches throughout our community are going to do it differently because they have different unique gifts and talents within their family. And we have different and unique gifts and, and even location uh, that God has gifted up us with. So we're going to talk about... We are the church, we, um, as us gathering together. Um, then going into the November season, we're going to spend uh, some time talking about hospitality. Last year, about this time, we were di did a series on gratitude and, and thankfulness, and we're going to kind of spin a similar but look at it from a little bit different perspective of talking about this hospitality and how we see that throughout Scripture and what we're called to. Um, and some are way more gifted at that uh, than others um, because I do see that as a true gift of, of hospitality and just seeing, loving, and, and welcoming others. But um, And uh, like it or not, we're going to be coming real quickly into the Christmas season. We like it, but it just means time's like speeding. Like, uh, but we're going to find ourselves knee-deep in the, in the Christmas season. Um, which means it's going to be cold outside, which puts me in a very good mood. So that's it all works together for the good, right? Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so I want to start in Ephesians 5, 18-ish, 
um, before we get to six, chapter 6. Um, because Paul writes in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. He tells us about being filled with the Spirit, and then he gives us four participles in verses 19 through 21, which are really evidences of being filled with the Spirit. He's addressing one another, it says, in psalms and hymns, spiritual uh, songs, which is fellowship, uh, singing and making melody uh, to the Lord with your heart, worship, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, this gratitude. And then he tells, submit, uh, writes, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and this submission. The new uh, NIV actually translates it, uh, that passage, submit to one another. It's a command, this submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this call to submission, for submission, is really the necessary foundation for the three sets of relationships that Paul then goes on and writes about. He writes to husbands and wives. We're going to be looking specifically at, at, at parents and children, and then employers and employees, serve masters, servants. Um, but this, this call for submission is the foundation that's necessary for all of these relationships that he goes on and writes. So 18 through 21, all together in chapter 5 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, it doesn't take but a second to look around and, and very quickly realize that, that marriage, that Christian or biblical view of, of marriages, a biblical view of, of families is eroding. It, it, it's it, it's blurred for sure and, and I would even say eroding um, and disappearing from our society and I think we're just going to continue to see that breakdown um, and that's why the proclamation of the gospel is so urgent in this time more than any God calls his people all believers to the to the building up of society. Uh, writer John Stott writes that Paul's letter focuses, you know, specifically Ephesians, uh, focuses on what God did through His historical work on the uh, work of Jesus Christ, and does through His Spirit today, in order to build up this new society in midst of the old. And so we are called to be building up. As a result, through Christ and in Christ, we are God's new society. We're the family of God the Father, uh, the body of Jesus Christ the Son, and the temple, our indwelling place of the Holy Spirit. 
And so in Ephesians, uh, Paul has been outlining the standards that God expects in this new society. He, he set down doctrinal principles. He's fleshed them out, practical duties, how to apply that. And now Paul is moving on to new relationships that God's established for his people. And again, the necessary foundation of these new relationships is submission. This submitting spirit. And it's a submission by Christians because it's done out of reverence for Christ, right? Verse 18, be filled with the spirit. Continues on with these evidences, fellowship, worship, gratitude, submission. I think these are really evidences that are seen not only in our person a vibrant personal life but in a vibrant vital spirit-filled church are these different dynamics of fellowship worship gratitude submission but we're going to be specifically looking at the last, I, I want to spend some time on submission, this being this, this kind of foundation as it goes into talking about the, the, the relationships. Um, because really, it's that evidence and, and, and that mindset governs the next three paragraphs that Paul's writing about. James 4.1 tells us, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? See, quarrels and conflicts happen when people want to get their own way, right? That's what happens with my kids. <laughs> quarrels and conflicts when, <laughs> when, when someone doesn't get their, their way. They want their voice to be heard it, it, or wants their voice to be obeyed, and they want to uh, push their way to the top but someone who's spirit-filled doesn't want to fight to the top right he, it, christ really models to fight to the bottom really so we see this theme run throughout god's word first corinthians 16 6 be, uh, and said be subject to the to such as these and to every follower worker and laborer First Peter uh, two thirteen. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. First Peter five five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with what humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for what, uh, for that would be no advantage to you. And so the Greek word for, for submitting ultimately means to place in order, to place under in an orderly fashion. So submission, which that Paul's talking about, is not haphazard. It's not this random uh, or accident. In the new society of God, submission's ordered, and it takes place. When Christians, we see in Philippians 2, 3, do, not, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than themselves. So the whole mentality of the Christian life 
as we relate to one another is one of humility and one of submissiveness. And this ultimate su- uh, supreme example of submission, of course, is Christ, right? He left the glory of heaven, set aside the, uh, the prerogatives of deity and game came to, to earth to live and suffer and die at the hands of those whom he created. Paul put it this way, Philippians 2, 4, from, uh, 4 through 8. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so when Paul said in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, he was setting down this general principle that all Christians must follow our relationships, submit to one another. And then he sets down three key sets of relationships, wives, husbands, children, parents, Slave masters. Now, through the ages, and we even see in our day, there's been mistreatment. Women, children, employees. um, Women have been exploited, being treated like servants or objects. Children have been suppressed and abused. Employees have been unjustly treated without being compensated or poor conditions. In Jesus' day, these conditions were the norm. They were accepted by the cultures. They were pretty standard stuff, unfortunately. And so what Paul wrote about the Christian household was radical, like radically different and countercultural. Where did Paul get theology that was countercultural? It was like completely upending the norm. Well, from Christ. It was Jesus who treated women with dignity, right? And, and courtesy and, and honor in an age where they were many times even despised. It was Jesus who said, let the little children come to me, right? Matthew 19:14 in a time when the unwanted children were literally left at the local dump. And it was Jesus who dignified this the uh, this idea of serving and of uh, of labor as himself as a carpenter or or stonemason. And he served as a servant by washing the feet of his disciples, saying in Luke twenty-two twenty-seven, but I am among you uh, as the one who serves. So when we come to these, looking at these relationships that Paul will talk about, he's not contradicting Jesus, not contradicting himself, as many have tried to seem to try and point out. Now, Paul's focus on the family in Ephesians 5 and 6 
he's fleshing out what he's been describing as this new society throughout his letter. This new unity in Christ. And so in light of these teachings of Christ and, and what uh, and as apostles, you know, we we have to affirm this the dignity of uh, of womanhood, of childhood, of servanthood, the equality before God of all human beings, regardless of their race, their rank, their class, their culture, their uh, their sex, or age, because we're all made in His image, right? And even deeper, unity of all Christian believers as fellow members of God's family and of Christ's body. So every individual. Every person has equal dignity, value, and worth to God. So in God's new society, there's this mutual submission. Remember, to place under in an orderly fashion. So husbands, parents, employers, submit to wives, children, and employees by relating to them in terms of responsibility, not by harsh rule. A subject uh, husband as we've studied before earlier in Ephesians in the past, a uh, husband's to submit to his wife, not in the sense of abdicating his, his responsibilities and his leadership, but in the sense of getting under her to help and bear her burdens, to help and care, carry her cares, meet her needs and sacrifice his own desire to, to fulfill hers. Parents are to submit to their children as in the sense that they are not to provoke them to wrath, but instead bring them up and nurture. A servant needs to submit to his master, but a master needs to submit by, by never wronging that person. So specifically today, we're looking at the relationship between children and parents in this passage. So it'll be Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. And it's pretty, as now that we've kind of looked at this kind of foundation for submission and as we see it in Christ, it's pretty, pretty straight. Paul, a lot of these letters, he's pretty like, here it is, this is what we're called to do. So it's not like we can go super deep and we'll be here for an hour and a half looking at these four verses. Virgil's like, phew, okay, good. It's pretty straightforward. Um, so it's not going to take too terribly long to dig through it this morning. But, man, the application, uh, the application's challenging. It's challenging for me. We have a fallen spirit, right? Our, our natural bodies. Um, so I'm going to read through 6 through 1 through 4, but I really want to kind of read also 18 and 21 because I think it kind of sets that, again, that foundation, the context as we read through it. It says, be filled with the spirit submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment 
with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, we live, and I kind of talked about it briefly earlier, we live in a day where many in our culture have lost their way to their homes. So not literally, like, where do I live? Help me get home. But this figuratively, there's, there's this breakdown in society in terms of our homes. And the way to remedy this is to, to return to look at God's direction. If something blows up behind me, let me, like, point it out. <laughs> uh, Paul's basic ex- instruction is given to spirit-filled Christians in the church of Ephesus. He's giving them God's direction for their new relationships in this new society, the church. Being filled with the spirit means that we will be in new relationships, right? And so first we look, he he talks about the the duties of spirit, uh, of children with their parents. It says, first... Children, obey your parents. And this is the first set of relationships. Um, When he spoke about wives and husbands, uh, wives are submit to their husbands. In this passage, Paul uses a stronger word uh, in the original text um, in the second set of relationships. So Paul's command is that children are to obey their parents. And there's a number of reasons. I mean, it, it, set, it tells us to obey your parents in the Lord. It's because of this is the Lord's will. But then there's this almost this natural law that has been imprint, imprinted on mankind in general. Um, every culture in every corner, it, because it says, for it, this is right, okay? So the, the second reason is really this realm of natural law. It's like every culture in every corner of the world, is it's right for children to obey their parents. There's, there's no culture that I'm aware of where children don't need to obey their parents. God has placed this natural law into the heart of every human being, and there's this instinctive understanding that's, it's right for children to obey their parents, that the parents teach their, their children. And then Paul uh, uh, writes, um, draws from the fifth commandment, says, honor your father and mother. And there's a difference there between obey and honor. Obey has to do with action. Honor has uh, to do with the attitude of the heart. To honor parents means to, to attribute this high st- standard, th- this respect um, for them. So there's this, on- uh, there's this obeying aspect, then there's this honoring uh, aspect. And so then we get, then we turn uh, from the advice for children uh, to come to wisdom for the parents. And it comes in, in two parts. Fathers and mothers, do not exacerbate your children. Literally, this means 
do not provoke your children to anger so that they begin to like seethe with with resentment and irritation. I started thinking about that, like just really thinking about that, because there are times that I'm would be guilty of that. And maybe many of us can find ourselves in that place. And that can look I I feel like that could look a thousand different ways of how that happens. But many times it's simply failing to take into account that they're kids. Like I many times have this set like A plus B equals C. You do this, you better not do that, and then this is (laughs) how you're going to. And so we failed to take into account that they're kids. Not saying, don't hear me saying we can't, we need to hold a standard, but again, comparing them to others. Real easy um, example. uh, Disciplining um, inconsistently is a way that you can cause that your child failing to express approval it's real easy to point out don't do this but are we also then going good job failing to express uh, our love you know and that may fall more difficult on Husbands, but it can affect anyone. Um, Voicing that and showing that love to our kids. Disciplining for reasons, uh, I guess it kind of gets back to the inconsistency, you know. Pressuring them to pursue goals that maybe aren't necessarily their own. I think we can exacerbate our kids or or anger our kids um, even by overprotecting. I've always thought of in a husband and wife, a hus- uh, the wife being like this rose or this flower, any whatever your favorite flower is. But there is just a delicacy about it, right? And the husband's supposed to kind of pick that flower up and carry it through battle and and uh, and protect it. Well, it, I think kids are much the same way. They're they're gentle. They're, they're fragile. Um, I mean, they can be crushed by uh, words of a, a mother or father, but yet they can also be blossom. They can bloom and blossom um, depending upon what's be- how it's being done and what's being said. Um, and Paul gives the formula, this formula for prospering a child. Um, in verse 4, said, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. 
And so really within this, we've got three different elements in here. Is first is this gentleness. Um, bringing them up means to, to nourish or feed. Um, 529 uh, says that a, a man feeds and cares for his own body. It's that same idea. Bring, bring them up can be translated, let them be kindly cherished. We're to be tender in bringing up our children. But secondly, there is a strong word in there in this training. And so this training uh, it can be um, defined as discipline, even with punishment. Proverbs nineteen eighteen: Disciple your child, uh, discipline your child, for in that there is hope. Do not be willing, a willing party to his death. Proverbs fifteen thirty two: He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. And then Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so there is this discipline, and maybe that, look, that looks different for every child. What is works in one situation may not work for another, even within your own children. Like God created and God challenges us <laughs> with, with differences in personalities and, and makeup of our kids. And last, he he tells us that there should be instruction. So there's this care, there's, the, uh, there's this discipline. And we many times with our kids talk about consequences. So you chose to do this, this is the consequence of that. And I can't change, like you knew you did that, now you may get a spanking. Or you did this, this is what you chose to do, and you knew, like, you were explained differently. You may not be able to participate. Like, you may not get to go somewhere that we were planning. Oh, again, each child's different, but we keep, we've been trying to be in our home talking about this is what happened, and this is the consequence of that. Trey is a huge advocate of talking his way out of things or trying to talk his way out of things. So our challenge recently has been, I can't, like, this is what happened. This is the consequence. This is what we talk about. I can't, I'm not changing the consequence. But, 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 wait, well, we need to change the, you know, and it, uh, and it's hard fought ground, but I think over time we're our prayer is that we <laughs> we we gain ground, not lose uh, ground. But then Paul talks about this instruction, right? This verbal instruction, even verbal warning. Um, the word instruction literally means to to place before the mind, and so it may mean to confront something specifically. 
Um, there's got to be this instruction of training up in the Lord, in, in, in Scripture, in what it looks like. And you've heard this probably a hundred times, and there's, you know, 35 country songs that talk about your child's watching you, and that's where he's picking up his habits. And so how are we living out? How are we uh, engaging with the clerk checking us out at the supermarket or the driver who may not be going quick or slow enough in front of us. But there's this instruction. And the last thing I want to, uh, which we've talked about before, and the last thing I just really want to touch on it here is as husbands uh, or as fathers, because you may be a single parent, but a as fathers and as mothers, um, we're called to raise them up in the Lord, right? So, you know, Christ discipled the 12, and then they went on to disciple others. We're called as parents to disciple our children. And we want Harvest to be a tool and, and, a, uh, and a support in doing that, but it's no church's responsibility to disciple our children, right? It falls to us. We want to be a church that supports parents in any way that we can, um, that gives tools or counsel or learns new things to be able to, uh, to do that more effectively. It's why we do children's ministry, to be able to share and build up the family. But it's ultimately our responsibility as parents to to um, to disciple, to discipline, um, and raise up our children, and just do all of that with a pure heart. It's that simple. <laughs> so it's tough. It, it it's a tough thing. It's probably one of the toughest. Thi well, no, I know it's the toughest thing that I've had to. I've tried to do, or that I've encountered in, in my life. But solid discipline, clear verbal instruction, wrapping this up in this nourishing tenderness. Um, and I just want to encourage parents that are in the midst of that, you know. Um, it may seem like an eternity in the moment, but it will come to a point where you'll realize it as a season. Um, and so we as a church want to be there for one another. It's why we do series like this and why we want to take time and carve out, whether it be a grandparent, uh, parents, or, or maybe a hopeful parent to, to be, um, to dive in and talk about scripture and topics like this. So if you would, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just I thank you for your word. God, it is challenging. God, we we long for the best for our kiddos. We long that they would 
first and foremost come to know you as their Lord, their personal Lord and Savior. And so I, I pray that for every parent and for every child, regardless of age, of where we're at, that they would have a strong and healthy and vibrant relationship with you. And those that may not, God, we just lift up before you now that your Holy Spirit would just move, that your Holy Spirit would just cut and divide and, and, and lay open this realization of who you are and what you mean. That your, your name is power, that your name is, is health and vibrancy, is healing, and that your name is life. So we pray that for our families this morning, regardless of where we are in season, that we could be encouraged, that we could be strengthened, that we would have discernment in tough times as we encounter them, that we would encourage one another in that. We pray these things in your name. symbols, right? We talked about this ultimate sacrifice, this ultimate submission uh, of Christ dying on the cross.